Welcome to this special podcast edition of America This Week. My name is Father Eric Sundrup, and I'm joined today by John Anderson. He's a television critic for The Wall Street Journal, film critic here at America Magazine, a contributor to The New York Times, and a member of the New York Film Critics Circle. Welcome, John. We're glad to have you. Uh, Great to be here. And by Bill McGarvey, a cultural columnist here at America Magazine. Welcome, Bill. Thanks. Good to be here. And Eloise Blondio, a producer here at America Media. Hi, Eric. Welcome. Good to be with you. In front of camera instead of in the control room. (laughs) So here at America Magazine, our job is to interpret the church for the world and the world for the church. Our team of writers and editors love leading the conversation on art and culture from the Catholic perspective. So we're here to tackle the upcoming Academy Awards, which ostensibly will be celebrating this year's best films. But don't worry, we'll get a chance to pump our favorites that got snubbed. And we'll try to extrapolate some of the big ideas and themes present that will resonate with a Catholic audience. And we're very lucky to have you with us, John, one of the leading voices in film criticism to kind of help guide this conversation among some of us, myself included, who may be more amateur viewers. Um, So let's start. I have the mic. I get to make the call um, with Black Panther, one of the nominees for Best Picture. I kind of want to start the conversation with this idea of what does it mean to have a Marvel movie that sort of takes center stage and ends up as a, as a best uh, picture nominee. Marvel is all over the cinematic universe, but Black Panther is a little different than some of these other films. It's a, I think this year's nominees and Black Panther is a great example is a witness to the fact that we're in a very changing time in the Academy Awards. I mean, what was the failed best popular picture category for a five minutes they had, and then they pulled that. Black Panther is a great, is a really fine movie, uh, really resonated in ways that most Marvel films, I don't think, do on a social level, very powerfully. There's a lot of uh, social consciousness that perhaps uh, have, has been uh, ushered in during the Trump era. Um, and so it's a wonderful film. Um, I don't know if it'll be Best Picture, but I'm glad it's nominated. I, I'm also going to use this to get a little bit into a, another nominee in a different category. A Spider, a Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse got nominated in the uh, uh, animated series. I was joking with a friend, like, I, hopefully they'll, they'll beat Pixar, but Disney owns Marvel, so it's very confusing. And <laughs> it's all one company. It's all one company at this, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, the, um, you know, you joke about Disney and Marvel being one company, you know, just one company. Marvel movies are one movie. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Black Panther. Really? Which I, 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 I think, well, I think it's a, unique, it's a unique film. I mean, look at not just the, the casting, but the, uh, you know, the creation of a world. Um, I was very heartened on Halloween in Brooklyn to see all these little black kids in, you know, Black Panther outfits yelling Wakanda forever <laughs> on DeKalb Avenue. You know, it's um, it's 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 a great thing sociopolitically. And the stakes were really high as well um, because uh, people wanted to show that a film like this with kind of a, a cast, pretty much all people of color, um, can make a lot of money and it can also be really entertaining and it can be really, really smart too. And I think all of the details like you know, the costumes to the details of the world were really thoughtfully and well executed. For me, it's always interesting to watch how the Catholic audience reacts to the superhero genre. Superman is the prototype. It's easy. Every time they do a Superman movie and he he flies out of the atmosphere and saying, you are my son, I send you to these people. I'm like, well, that's a little Christological for sure. (laughs) But this theme of the world is more interesting and more mysterious than, than you normally imagine, right? That there's something breaking in that's fantastic and amazing and you can be part of that. It's obviously going to resonate with a, with, a, with a Catholic audience or any audience really that is, is paying attention to the concept of transcendence. Right? So that's that's really important. But there's also those the battle theme 
you know, the, the, everything that's going on has cosmic significance, which is, I, I love your comment, John, like all the Marvel movies are the same movie. It's <laughs> yeah. all one cosmic yeah. battle. Yeah. <laughs> but that idea of there really is a battle for, you know, the, the soul of reality going on at all time. And, and there's a lot of things happening. And you, got, and you can be part of that and pay attention to that. Those themes are, are huge in, in comics. I got in a lot of trouble here. We had a meeting right after Infinity Wars. And uh, I, I went opening night because I love opening night at a Marvel movie and it's mm. just nutty and everyone's screaming. Steph was saying, don't, don't spoil it. And I said, what do you mean don't spoil it? <laughs> everyone dies and everyone lives. It's a comic book. That's like standard, like this, the, the theme, the, the idea of resurrection, the, the, the idea of, you know, there's going to be rebirth and, and all this stuff is happening at the same time. That's standard. But we're, let's, um, we'll move away from the superhero stuff other than to give a huge shout out to Into the Spider-Verse. That is the best sort of cinematic experience of a comic book I've ever had. But, but I felt like I was seeing... Watching a comic book. Watching a comic book. That's the way they great. cut, the way they did the shots, the way they did the art. Well, the, the animation is generally kind of, you know, they aspire to style. And mm-hmm. in this yeah, film, exactly. it was every style you could imagine yeah. was, was just, you know, was like a Kandinsky. Well, who's going to introduce our next one? That would be me. Okay, great. Black Klansman was the Spike Lee film uh, that he is up for the first time, which I was surprised at for Best Director, uh, starring John David Washington and Adam Driver. Uh, It is about uh, Ron Stallworth, a Colorado Springs police officer who infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan. He's an African-American man. But it certainly has resonated, I think, in many ways, again, in the time and space we're living in. I liked the film. I saw it twice. I liked it better the second time. Uh, I think Spike did well with this. Uh, once I once I learned about how off the actual story it maybe was, it was a little disturbing. And then Boots Riley, uh, who made what I, to me, which I'm sure nobody else will agree with, made the best film of the year, which is Sorry to Bother You. Pretty good call. Uh, and uh, Boots Riley, who loves Spike Lee, uh, critiqued Spike a lot on this. Um, Boots so, Riley did kind of post a note on Twitter about um, Black Klansman saying, you know, acknowledging his debt to Spike Lee as a filmmaker and uh, but also pointing out that even though the film is based on a true story, uh, key elements of that true story did not make it into the movie. Um, the movie um, just to kind of sum up without giving too many spoilers, does have a kind of very uh, kind of before the end of reconciliation, you know, between a racial reconciliation of sorts, you know, the the white guys and black guys get along and it's all great and, you know, they achieved something together. That ne- isn't necessarily the what happened, right, Bill? Oh, uh, no. My, my sense is I did not read Ron Stallworth's book, but Boots Riley pointed out, and he obviously did a lot more research than I have, but that Stallworth himself was a counterintelligence officer on some level. And so he was infiltrating the Klan. He also infiltrated, I believe, Stokely, or was at least uh, overseeing or, or doing investigation into Stokely Carmichael, a very uh, important activist in the African-American community back in the 70s. Uh, and I believe that, that, that the notion that he was simply this um, hero in sense of uh, for African-Americans and infiltrating the Klan was, was upended a little bit. Um, so I, I liked Black Klansmen. I have friends who were huge Spike Lee fans who loved it. Um, it's worth seeing, but uh, not to me, you know, in the same, to me, this whole year's crop is, is slightly less strong. I feel like movies like Sorry to Bother You, 
mm. a la what Moonlight was a couple of years ago. Right. And I, for me, at least, you know, last year I was very passionate about Lady Bird. I was uh, very passionate about uh, Call Me By Your Name. And the thing I really liked about those films, and which I don't think is really happening in this year's nominations, is I think a lot of these films we're seeing this year, they, they're enjoyable, they're entertaining, but they're quite forgettable. Mm. And I do have to say, though, that for Black Klansmen, I did find memorable. I do think it succeeded in creating, I'm not saying it's Spike Lee's best film or maybe the best film of of the year, but comparing it to the other nominations, I think it did a good job of being entertaining, thought-provoking, and also creating kind of a lasting moment, which some of the other films I felt were kind of a spectacle, enjoyable in the moment and kind of you know, as as soon as they ended, uh, they were over. Whereas this is a film, and and I do definitely take those criticisms that um, Boots Riley um, raised. Um, I do think those are helpful ways to understand the films. But I still, I, I actually think that this is one worth seeing. Right. Yeah. Well, this, all of this uh, is happening at the same time. We also have the controversy over Green Book. I haven't cringed so much mm. at a major motion picture since uh, God. I don't even know. I mean, it's oh, I was waiting to hear what, what, what this film. <laughs> what the was other one was, yeah. I don't know. It may be in a class all its own. But I really, I really kind of loathe Green Book. Mm. Um, it's another one of these period pieces that wants you to believe that everything's better now. Comparisons have been made to Driving Miss Daisy. Well, right? yeah, that, but, but anybody with, you know, any movie that had someone sitting in the back seat would be compared to Driving Miss Daisy. You know? What about a race, a reverse version? Oh, yeah, a yeah. kind of a, yeah. a simpl- oversimplistic um, idealization of racial con- reconciliation. Which gets to your critique, John, that these are, car- these are cartoons. It's just the, the broadest kind of portrait of... Early '60s Bronx Italian <laughs> life, uh, and 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 actually the, the Mahershala Don Shirley, who was an eccentric jazz genius, um, is kind of painted this, you know, in a s- similarly caricaturish way. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a few times where people are clapping at the end, and then we come out, and I think it's almost generational. I think a certain generation over 50, 60 finds it to be really heartening and gratifying, and I think another generation that's perhaps got a completely different uh, racial and social and political outlook sees it in far more uh, cynical light. Um, and when I did do the research on the family who actually complained, it was fascinating to see, geez, this really wasn't what their uncle would have wanted or their or his brother, Maurice Shelley, uh, Maurice Shelley, uh, Maurice, I'm Shirley, I apologize. Um, it, it's hard to say that it's not entertaining because it was, but you have to suspend a little bit of your critical, a lot of your critical functioning. About all of them. And then, and then, yeah. But but it's it's really hard not to it's tough because you have two of our finest actors Viggo Mortensen Mar- yeah. Marsha Ali and I loved um, what Ali said I did the best with the with the with what I could with the material I had that was my thought yeah. I mean that they both just did great work with yeah. terrible writing it's, and and this and this gets to a, a much of the controversy you can walk out of that movie feeling like wow we've done something and solved thing and you've touched none of the systemic problems. Let's let's talk about uh, Stars Born. Eloise, you're going to start this one. Yes, um, and speaking of you know generations being all generations being pleased by a movie, I think this is <laughs> it's this one year's of Lady Bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely definitely cannot uh, throw myself behind uh, 
a Star is Born as I did Lady Bird. Um, but I do think, you know, it was it was fun. I thought it was really fun. And kind of uh, going back to what I was saying earlier about um, these the movies this year, the theme, I think, was a spectacle. They, they really kind of create a spectacle that's um, fun and entertaining in the moment, but perhaps not creating a lasting mood. That's kind of how I felt with, with A Star is Born. I mean, it's hard not to be excited by Lady Gaga in this role. I thought she was phenomenal. Um, and obviously this was Bradley Cooper's debut as a director and a lot has been said about their relationship. I was um, less won over by him and I, I think, you know, it's little indulgent maybe to direct a film in which you are the leading man and with all these kind of very much close-ups these close-ups <laughs> these lingering shots of your face I think that was a that was an interesting decision which you know maybe worked out for him uh, but uh, not the my most uh, yeah not not my favorite movie but definitely one to watch John in your, your reviews is this we're talking about every generation gets one of these yeah well it's, it's kind of true yeah yeah you, I, your, your question was did, what did we do to deserve that yeah, yeah, well, Well, it's it there's a lot to like about it. I think Lady Gaga is the chief thing to like about it. I was in a theater. I'm watching a couple of people that are a little younger than me, and one of them says, "This is this is kind of a, a, an opening moment for Gaga. She's really becoming like a star now." And I was like, "Where have you been?" Well, right. <laughs> no, but I think yeah. that's true. It's, it's, I mean, it's in a new audience. Huge. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one. I saw it in a theater. Did you all see it? How did you all see theater. it in a theater? theater? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I saw it in one. You know, where the sound was like wired to the seats. I'll tell you, it was. It was. It's the way to see it. There's a lot of really intense. Southern rock, whatever you want to call it. It's not country music, but it's, it's kind of like something. country. Yeah, it's yeah. I didn't think the music was as great as some people did. I think oh, I so. Well, the say. one song is good. I mean, well, yeah, one shallow song is, is good. good but it's, and it's going to win the Oscar for best song. I have to disagree, Louise. I was actually pleasantly surprised that some of the songs were as good. As, were, I thought they were good, really good. And they, they wouldn't have been out of place on a lot of artists like Steve Earle or Jason Isbell's records. Uh, not to say every song I loved. And, and I did found it a little bit syrupy and amazing. The, the surprise for me was Andrew Dice Clay once again, uh, who actually is actually decent. He's really what does a good job. One of my problems with the movie is that I did not care very much about Bradley Cooper, Jackson Maine, Bradley Cooper's character. Yeah, yeah. And I do think, given that Lady Gaga gives such a compelling performance, um, I would have loved there to be more writing about who she was, who those guys were, hanging out at this house where she was, you know, living with her dad. Um, I think that would have given it, um, made for a much richer movie. I, I want to note one thing, though, about Star is Born, Bradley Cooper not getting a Best Director nomination. It's weird because Oscar history says that the actor-turned-director gets the Oscar. Scorsese didn't win for Raging Bull because Robert Redford won for Ordinary People. Scorsese didn't win for Goodfellas because I think it was Kevin Costner won for Dances oh, with Wolves. Wow. Okay. Um, Mel Gibson won for Braveheart. Lawrence mm -hmm. Olivier won for Hamlet because there's so many actors in the Academy. If 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 an actor directs a movie, he sort of traditionally wins. Yeah. So there's another film up for Best Picture that's all about music, Bohemian Rhapsody. What are your thoughts about the, this film? Uh, so Bohemian Rhapsody is about a far more interesting person in the sense of Freddie Mercury uh, of Queen, directed sort of controversially by Brian Singer, who was pulled off the project. I, to be honest, I like Queen a lot. I think they were a good, great band, and I enjoyed, I went back like 
and listened to a lot of Queen music after seeing it and went through, watched a lot of documentaries. It really is a complete, a bit of a whitewashing of the story, or certainly a, a very much turns the story around. And that's, you know, the fact that the two members of Queen are very deeply involved as producers. Right, yeah, they, had, they had a lot of oversight on that, and, that and film. I, it's a good biopic. I was kind of amazed that this is in a Best Picture, but then I, <laughs> doing the research today, it's made $800 million. But I, I, again, a, a, a decent movie, fine, entertaining movie, uh, Best Picture, wow, I, I, in, in 10 years ago, I'm not sure this would have made it, but $800 million speaks a lot. It was like going to a concert. I, I, had, I had a great time at the concert. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think that's why people, you know, people already know the music. They yes. like the music. They, they know they're going to have a good time. And he was an incredibly charismatic figure and important and interesting figure and, and fascinating. And I think having been in a lot of bands, a nightmare to be in a band with. Well, Eloise and I have been talk, talking about this. We're, we're more enjoying the press tour with oh, Rami yeah. Malek. My, my favorite. Horribly my, awkward. I, What's he doing? He's just so phenomenally awkward. <laughs> Rami Malek has really... Um, uh, just had some hilarious moments. He's not he's not given very um, lengthy interviews. He's kind of been pictured on stage, kind of trying to say hi to Nicole Kidman and failing and <laughs> offending. But um, that makes me identify with him. I'm like, oh, he's awkward. He can't even get the people he knows. I, I like him for that. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know he's that awkward. The guy was in the master with... We don't know whether he's awkward or not. He's just being portrayed by the media. I work oh, in the yeah. media. We have a way of oh, okay. <laughs> latching onto a story. I think he's <laughs> yeah. I just thought... Um, Going back to the, the involvement of the of Brian May and the other member, Roger Taylor, Roger right. Taylor, um, you've you've never seen a band that got along quite so well. Yeah. It's really interesting to me. There's a lot of controversy around all of the picks. Controversy in the making of the film, how it was done, controversy about the pick itself. Like, Vice is one I want to get to, particularly. Um, John's groaning and getting ready to, to go into this one, so I'm just going to... I'm going to release you, John. Let's <laughs> well, talk about Vice. I, I, I just want to say, as a prelude to Vice, I just want to say that it's curious how many of these stories about the different contenders are unearthed around Oscar time. It's not an accident. It's public. Uh, it's publicists orchestrating smear campaigns against know. other films. I think Oscar publicists are way ahead of the White House on this kind of thing. <laughs> Op research, right? Uh, there's, oh, I mean, Weinstein used to do it. Yeah. Um, that's that's an important insight. Yeah, um, Vice. So I that just, leads you into Vice. Yeah, well, speaking of controversy, Vice. I just think I, I don't think a movie about Dick Cheney should have ever been made. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's an affront to good taste and. <laughs> And the fact that it's got an Oscar nomination is just the f reflects badly on them. Wow. Okay. See, I, I really think I think it's a moral issue. That, well, okay. That, yeah. Um, you don't think he makes a case, which kind of flattens the conversation. I got to say, I think Adam McKay is onto something. I mean, he's made plenty of funny movies, and Anchorman was one of my favorite comedies. Uh, but I really thought Big Short was a really smart, well done film, and I liked his form of filmmaking, which is you know very gaudy and 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 you know playing with conventions all the time and i like that i think it shows real guts and real sort of i don't care uh and to me dick cheney comes off like a cipher in the movie we have no understanding of why he is as i think dark a figure as he is and, I and maybe that. that's one of my problems you wanted to be, I don't, yeah, you know yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if there's any there there with cheney in reality except right. for power Th that was that was the yeah. the way it became farcical about about the way the power was used, and then the, there was there was the, there were some shots 
when you were splicing in shots of human beings being tortured yeah. in the middle of what appeared to me to be like a SNL skit, uh, like there was there was a part of me that started. I just started getting kind of revolted by what the film was doing. Wow, <laughs> I'm I mean, surprised anyone saw it. To be honest, it's a <laughs> really tough sell. Like I, I personally, Christian find... Bale sells it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, I disagree with my fellow panels here. I'm going to actually move us to favorite from that theme of power what's going on with power and, and how that shifts things. So both Favorite and Roma have 10 nominations each. They're, they're kind of in a little different league here. What do, what do we all think about the Favorite? What a show. <laughs> I think you loved it, Eric. I think you did. I'm now saying in clerics that I absolutely <laughs> loved that film. Uh, it is disturbing, but yeah. it was an amazing film. I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting seeing, well, Olivia Coleman, who has really made a name for herself in British television, she's been well known as one of the best actresses in the UK. Actually, the, the structure of this film kind of felt to me like one of the BBC period dramas. Costume dramas. Can- costume dramas. <laughs> so it was interesting to see it make it onto the bigger screen in the way that it was sectioned off in chapters. Um, I think it kind of could have worked really well on TV, actually, if we're talking about the kind of... Um, really? Yeah, I do. It was in chapters. Like we had, we had actual chapter headings. In Commercial the break. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's baffled me that they, well, of course it's smart, but they've sort of marketed the favorite as this wacky comedy. It's an art film from it beginning is. to end. It I mean, is, yeah. the, the camera work, when do you see, you don't see anybody using fisheye lenses and, you know, with, with an Emma Stone movie, you know, um, I mean, visually it's, 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 it's almost deliberately off-putting. Well, yeah, they are. And the humor is, you know, rude. And yeah. and and I think if you watch the commercial on TV and then went to see the movie, you'd be like, where am I? <laughs> the way they're billing it, is it like a comedy? Yeah. I think is interesting because what I was fascinated by, and this is like a Catholic angle on this, is how secrecy destroys you. You're really stretching the <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that. Oh, now, now we're in a fight. Now we're really okay. in a fight. Here we go. So uh, I'll go Ignatian spirituality on okay. that, right? The, the importance of transparency and openness. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you hold all that together in secrecy, you, your worst demons get to get the full run, right? Okay. But the, the, the way the film, like the, the going through the dark passages mm-hmm. uh, and, and then all the secrets that are, that are kept in there and then how that plays in power. And then everybody in that film is trying to get a hold of power by wielding all the secrets that they think no one has has, has awareness of. I, that's fascinating. I, I would not, yeah, I mean, I, it's a, you make a good case for it, but I I feeling of the th- thousand people, you'd be the only one coming out with that. But <laughs> you need to pro- get to the rooftops and, and but I, you know, make a good point. I think it's a, it's a worthy film. I will say, though, I didn't have the same, um, I did actually have, I know the film was dark and complex and the kind of, the short kind of advert advertising the, the movie can't do justice to that but I, my overwhelming experience of the film was as a spectacle um, which had very dark intense moments and maybe lessons um, like you said Eric but I did think that it was really entert- managed to be very entertaining oh, I thought so too but it's one of those you know it's one of those period pieces that wants to strip away the veneer you know, right. it, it, every people are dirty. People have bad teeth. Right. People are in the mud. You know, people. God knows where Rachel Weisz showed up, wound up in that one sequence. Oh gosh. But you know, 
In some ways, Bohemian Rhapsody could have taken some lessons <laughs> sipping off the veneer in some ways. John, uh, your review of Roma was highly favorable. Do you think it deserved the 10 nominations that it got? Oh, I think it deserves everything. Deserves everything? Yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I, I actually gushed in my review. I, I, I really, if I had to do it over again, I would I would step up. Oh, you, you want know. your editor to pull you back a little? I would wind myself <laughs> down a little because I think I had written it right after seeing it and I was just, you know, semi-hysterical. So, um, Talk to me about that experience. But it's, uh, you know, it's a film geeks movie in a lot of ways. It's the kind of movie that a lot of people say there's nothing going on. And I think I thought there was something going on at every second. It wasn't a reference to another film. It was an insight into a character done in the, in the most subtle way. And, that, and there's a lot of film stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that sequence where the father who's about to go AWOL is trying to get his too big car in his too small garage. Oh, and there were all these c- cuts like the cigarette in the ashtray, the mirror that's against the wall. And it's like it's Jim Jarmusch, mm. Kurismaki Brothers. Mm. The editing was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it, everything was done so well. In fact, I was saying before that I, I think the fact that Miss um, Aparicio got an Oscar nominee is kind of contrary to the spirit of the film. I mean, it's a movie about a person on the margins, and it's done very subtly, very in very nuanced ways. And to glamorize that mm-hmm. sort of feels wrong. Feels wrong. You know, um, so I hope it wins. But I, It wouldn't feel wrong to me if she won. No, no, no. I, mean, I, 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 ro- I, wish her all, I wish her well. I just... The opening scene is you're watching water come down a drain. It's a tight shot. All the director filmmaker is going to give you at that moment. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to pay attention to everything you tell me to pay attention to because this matters. Do you remember the plane flying through the yep. right? The yep. Reflected in the yep. water. Reflected yeah. in the water. The and plane shows up six or seven times. Flying out. Yeah. Right. But it also is having me pay attention to class. Yes. To race to the inequality that's going on. There, there's a scene where everyone's doing something crazy and Cleo, the main character, is the only one that can balance. This that's is a great moment. Also, one of the pivotal moments is the Corpus Christi massacre that happens and how that yeah. drives some of the uh, drama there. And so uh, the implications of the social justice Absolutely, connection and what yeah. was going on at the time at Mexico, that wasn't the driver of the plot because we were paying attention to the people. But, you know... And then I started to do some more research on that and ask some questions about what, what, what how did this, how did what these experiences uh, affect? It's the dirty wars in Mexico. Yeah, it's the dirty wars. And it was the Corpus Christi massacre. Yeah, so okay. that basically, dirty war hired guns to, to, to take out the student protesters, okay. as, which is what we're seeing happen there. There's a, there's a lot going on there, and there's the scene in the hospital after that where she. Yeah, I'm going to avoid spoilers. So actually, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop that right there. But there's a hospital scene where you see all the people whose lives and the care that they need is completely messed up by that. And you know, you're going to kill me again for like picking up these tiny, tiny nuances. Uh, you're, sure you're supposed to. I don't think <laughs> the people praying rosaries and yes. a couple of tight shots of that. You can see it in their hand. And then when they don't know what to do, reciting a prayer. You know, because it's so well done and the, the film is so immersive. The Mexican culture comes across there too, which is going to have a lot of the uh, Catholic setup. Even though that family was, it was completely well, unreligious, in some ways you someone raised unreligious, and yet yes. you can't help if you're oh, in no, Mexico. A, yeah, and I think something you said, Eric, which makes this film maybe stand out from some of the other picks, is that a, a good film really helps you pay attention in, yeah. and has those details um, for you. We're going to go into the speed round. I got to move us fast. 
is there something that was snubbed this year or didn't get enough credit that you want? So John, John's in right away, so we'll have John go first. Support the girls, which I thought was maybe the best. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Roma fan, but Support the Girls I thought was really a genius movie. Andrew Bajalski, uh, who is the sort of original mumblecore guy, uh, made what I think was the, the most feminist film of the year. I mean, besides being funny and the acting is great and it's very entertaining, but it, it's got the, the most powerful message about, you know, workplace oppression and female empowerment. And it has a ending scene which doesn't have a sled, but it's really, really strong and kind of heartbreaking. Uh, John, you, I'm going to add that to my list because I have not seen it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Sorry to Bother You, I thought it was my favorite film of the year. It is about class. It's about work. It's It's far more futuristic and fantastical and I just think really great. I think he's a really interesting voice. I want to see what he comes up with next. And then there's a movie called Leave No Trace um, with Thomas and Mackenzie, a young uh, teenage actress, is amazing in it, amazing. And then Ben uh, Foster, who's been amazing in Hell or High Water and tons of other things. It's a great, quiet movie about a veteran uh, who lives in you know parks in Portland in the Pacific Northwest and his daughter, who's a teenager. My my favorite was oddly enough it's into the Spider Verse which it's, it's got its nomination <laughs> no, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's in there terrific um, so I'm going to constrain our final vote here uh, to to the nominees what should win this is different than what will win but what should win of the nominees uh, the favorite I think it would be of, of the nominees again but my favorites weren't in there but I would think the favorite John what should win what should win if you can Roma. pick Ro- Roma should win yeah I'm afraid Green Book would win but I. Th- really think if I had to put money on it, I think Roma will win. Eloise, what should win? I Well, I agree. I, I really hope that Roma does win. Clearly, I'm in minority <laughs> once again. I, I was leaning Roma, but, you know, just, just because the, the way the votes are going here. <laughs> we talked you out of it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with favorite. Okay. I, I think, oh, wait. I think, okay. <laughs> okay, good. As, as you can see, there's, there's, there's no complete consensus no. on any of this, both in the public, both here as we're talking about this, but there's a lot of things to see. There's a lot of things worth seeing. There's a lot going on. Yeah. I just want to thank you for joining us for this special edition podcast of America This Week. If you want to have more conversations like this one, you can join the America Catholic Movie Club on Facebook. Each month, we discuss a different film, sometimes new, sometimes old, but always engaging. For America Media, I'm Eric Sundrup. I want to thank our special guests, John Anderson, Bill McGarvey, and Eloise Blondio for joining us for this special edition podcast of America This Week. You can listen to us every week on Sirius XM 129, the Catholic Channel, and on America This Week, the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Clear. Sure. And apologies for being late. Yeah, oh no, it's fine. Thank you guys for making time. Those films. I, uh, I, have to go back. I love Roma too. I, I was, was going to vote Roma. I was like, that's two votes for Roma. I'm going favorite. No, I probably, I probably <laughs> <won't> <laughs> <mix it up. laughs>